these are issues we've been dealing with, you know, for the longest time. But, you know, we just had to um, to really just suppress these issues because we felt like at the end of the day, our mental health had to be compromised, you know, for the betterment of not only the sport, but, you know, to win. And um, now we're starting to see that people aren't going to sacrifice that anymore. Like our people, our athletes aren't going to sacrifice um, their mental health just to have another gold medal. Welcome to the Black Agenda Podcast. I'm your co-host, Devin Dito, along with my co-host, Adrian Guest, and we are excited to be back with you, bringing you another fantastic episode of the podcast. And so today, our conversation is going to be all about athletes and mental health. It's been a big topic in the news, especially now with the Olympics over. There was a lot of attention being paid to it. And so we thought, what better time to go ahead and dive into it? Um, as we get ready to get into the NFL and college football seasons. And so to join us in our discussion today is going to be Doug Middleton. He is the founder of Mental Health Awareness Foundation called the Dream the Impossible. And so Dream the Impossible is based in North Carolina. And the organization actually sets out to fix the lack of awareness surrounding mental health in the African-American community. And so in addition to his work with Dream the Impossible, uh, Doug is also on the board for one of the first drug and mental health recovery high schools in North Carolina. And so as far as his playing career goes, Doug attended Park Parkland High School, and he also attended Appalachian State, where he was a member of the football team. And so Doug was actually an All-American and All-Conference safety. And so uh, he currently is playing with the Carolina Panthers. He was recently signed uh, just a few days ago. Uh, but he has also played for the New York Jets, the Miami Dolphins, and most recently, the Jacksonville Jaguars. And so, uh, Doug, we just appreciate you joining us on the show. Devin, I appreciate the opportunity. Glad to you know talk and speak about such an important topic that's going on right now. Right. A very, very important topic. And it's, you know, it's something that's kind of been taboo in the past, um, particularly from our community, the black community. It's not something you really hear a lot about. People tend to be embarrassed when they talk about mental health. And so... But the conversation has really, you know, changed. And then, you know, when you add on that taboo in our community, when you add it on playing a sport like you were playing in football, playing at the college level, but also at the NFL level, where, you know, talking about mental health can sometimes be seen as like a weakness, like you're not as tough as everybody else if you're worried about your mental health. And so, you know, just kind of tell us, you know, as people who have never been in an NFL locker room or even a college, you know, football locker room, just kind of tell us what it's like or what was the, I guess, what was the move? What was the talk as far as when you, you know, when you talk about mental health, you know, and was there a stigma when it came to talking about say concussions or just anxiety or things like that? Just kind of talk us about what, what was the environment like when it came to talking about mental health? All right. So just give you a little backstory. Cause I, I definitely think, um, you know, from the time that I first entered the league in 2016 until now, like just conversations around mental health, the stigma has definitely changed. Um, you know, when in 2016, when I first entered the league, it was it was a lot of stigma when it came to mental health. I felt like it wasn't something that many guys talked about. Like, of course, my, my locker at the time, um, the New York Jets was next to Brandon Marshall. So, of course, you know, what I'm saying he spoke about mental health. He's a huge mental health advocate. But like, I mean, even then, like you would, 
you would see some things that really didn't make sense or really didn't, you know, it really didn't sound like guys were getting the help that they needed. Um, you could tell some guys uh, may have had some issues that um, that really didn't, really weren't getting solved until later on into the year or even after the season was over. Um, so, you know what I'm saying? Just trying to say a lot without saying a lot, <laughs> pretty much about <laughs> we, what we get it. <laughs> got, yeah, individual guys were dealing with. But, like, even after the year was over, you could see, like, certain stories started coming out um, about certain guys dealing with, you know, alcohol issues or certain guys dealing with, you know, different uh, performance issues. It, it was a lot that was around mental health that was going on during that year. And um, you just fast forwarded to this year and it feels like it's, it's so many more resources out there. It's such, you know, it's, it's much more of a talked about issue. Um, guys are, you know, willing to at least step out there and, and, and get help. But, um, you know, I feel like the stigma is slowly being removed, but, you know, when you see situations like Simone Biles, it, it it's tough to say that because it looks like, you know, we're taking a couple steps back sometimes when you start to see, like, you know, people's personal opinions about, um, you know, what these athletes choose to do and, and how they choose to protect their own mental health. Um, I mean, just give you an example, like, you know, with Simone Biles, you could see a lot of the negative reactions that, that went on, like, you know, why is she doing this? Like, what, you know, how are you going to wait all the way until you get to the Olympics to do this? Like, but sometimes... You know, when your mind and your body don't connect, like you have to handle it right then and there. And, it, you know, no matter what platform that is. So, I mean, it's a lot that's going on um, in mental health and athletics. When you talk about Shakira Richardson, Richard Sherman, Naomi Osaka, Kyrie Irving, I mean, the list goes on. Like you could, Marcus Aldridge, you can you can name people left and right about people that's, that's dealing with different um, mental health, not only issues, but just different different situations that's going on. And, and the thing I like to put about it is 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 that mental health has always been um, important. When you look at some of the best athletes in the world, that's that's what separates them. You look at LeBron James. That's that's what's going to separate LeBron James from other people. Not only his talent, but the way he's able to focus mentally and channel that, and, and be able to come in and out, come in, you know, each night and prepare and put on a show, you know, the way he does. So. Um, you know, certain athletes are starting to see that, that their mental health does matter. And, um, you know, the stigma is still there, but it's, it, we're still making progress. Right. And and that progress, it, as slow as it may seem, and as, yeah. you know, it, it's, it's coming. It, it's slow. Um, one thing I did want to ask about, you pointed out that, you you know, your locker was next to Brandon Marshall. He's been an, an outspoken advocate uh, for yeah. mental health. But I guess one thing, just to kind of bring us into the locker room, like, Watching someone like him, you know, he's a very well-known Pro Bowl wide receiver, um, yeah. one of the best to play. And so I, I, we can only try to imagine the type of pressure that they have to go through week in and week out trying to perform. And so just if you could just kind of walk us through what kind of what is it like being in the NFL where you are probably the only person in your family who is making that kind of money. So you're not only playing for your immediate family, your wife or your children, but you're playing for your entire family generations after you kind of talk about like, you know, what is that like carrying that kind of pressure Um, and watching someone like Brandon Marshall have to deal with that, you know, just kind of walk us through what is that like? Yeah, it's, it's a lot, man. And I mean, you add on the fact that you're in, you know, um, a huge spotlight, you know, being in New York, the media in New York are, it's, it's probably the roughest media compared to any sports team. Um, 
you know, and, and they're at you every second. So, you know, no matter what mistake you make on the field, um, you know, they can see it and, and they're going to ask you about it. And, and when you lose, they're going to ask you about it. And um, you take the personal stress and the personal um, adversity that you face on the job and you take that on back. And then you look at the stuff you got to face at home, too. You know, you got a lot of people that's dependent on you, a lot of people that got, you know, different financial situations that they may be depending on you to solve. And, you know, at the end of the day, um, you know, first you got to, you know, when it comes to your mental health, first you got to take care of yourself. You know what I'm saying? That's that's all I tell my guys is like first, you know, it's a lot of, even though there's a lot of other stuff going on, it's a lot of people depending on you. It's a lot of things that that's grabbing your attention. The first thing you have to do is take care of your own mental health because if you don't do that, then you won't be able to be, um, you know, a dependable person or a good person that's going to be able to help, you know, all the people that you're trying to help. You know what I'm saying? That's all that stuff is really secondary. They problem still going to be there at the end of the day. You know what I'm saying? What they dealing with is still going to be that, like, you got to take care of yourself first because at the end of the day, that's, that's, you know, sometimes that's all you're going to have, you know, once, once the money going, once the spotlight's going, that's, you know, all you're going to have is yourself. So, um, that's the first step, but you know, really, you know, it's 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 a lot. It really is, and it takes a toll. Takes a toll, you know, on your mental health. And um, you know, being next to a guy like Brandon Marshall, you get to see like how you know how he handles it, and and the things, some certain things that he does to handle you know the spotlight or the adversity that he may face. And and um, you know, Brandon is he's, he's a cool person, man. He really is, and and the things that um. You know, he, he always tried to be respectable to the media. He always tried to be a great teammate. Um, but, you know, adversity hits the fan, too. And, and, and you know, certain things start to happen, and, and it causes all different emotions from everybody. We were supposed to be good that year, and uh, we ended up not really being good at all. And, and it was a lot that, that took place that, you know, guys' mental health was definitely affected. Um, but... I mean, just to sum sum all that up, man, it's 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 real tough. Like you made you made some great points, and 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 that's that's the reality of it. Is like you know that going into it, you know, like when you when you you know take that step of being in the NFL, like you know you're you know you're a role model. You know you got family members looking up to you, and and that's something that you accept. Like you know that's that's what comes with it. And then once you acknowledge that and acknowledge the platform that you have, um. You just feel like you got to find the best way you can to 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 put that in a positive light, and um, you know, once you do that, you'll be all right. But uh, it's it's tough though. But you know, to to make it frankly honest, like you know, all that stuff, you can't you can't really let all that come in and control you. You got to protect yourself from that. You know what I'm saying? So that's why a lot of people have financial advisors. That's why a lot of people that handle you know family conversations. Like my mom handles all my family conversations. If it's something that's like going on in the family. Like, don't call me. Just call my mom because, like, I got to protect my own mental health. You know what I'm saying? I can't be dealing with all that. I don't need to know about, you know, oh, your cousin in jail, this person, this, you know, this going on or this. So, like, it's it's so much stuff that's going on, you know, with families and our culture and stuff like that. And, like, if you take all that, you know, on the field with you, there's no way you can be able to perform at a high level and still, you know, provide the way you want to for your family and your future family. So it's all about protecting, you know, some of the things that, you know, that come into you. And, and you know, Doug, that's awesome. Cause I mean, you, you hit on some great points there, especially when you're talking about taking care of self. Cause at the end of the day, you know, if you don't take care of self, you, you can't, you can't perform at your best. I mean, all the things that you want to do aren't going to happen. 
And when you talk about you and all the others who are talking about mental health, y'all are, you know, really leading by example and really, you know, taking the charge to be advocates, you know, when everybody's making this such a taboo topic. And fortunately for you, Doug, you've been able to kind of get to a level to where not only uh, can you really affect change for your immediate family, but you're at a level to where you start an organization, you can kind of affect change for a lot of people. So that way you don't have to necessarily absorb everyone's problems because you can actually create situations to better their problems. So in that sort of situation, Doug, because we always try to inspire people whenever we introduce guests. Um, you know, being in that sort of position, you know, how does it feel to be at a level to where you can really bring some change into the lives of those around you through your advocacy work and through your giving? Well, Adrian, to be honest, I mean, this is, you know, growing up, this is what you, you know, you play the game for. Of course, um, you know, the money's cool. Playing a game that you love is, is cool. But, you know, my whole uh, goal, my whole process, my whole ambitions were around being able to create change in people's lives and, and really, um, you know, after I lost my best friend to suicide, really make a difference in the mental health space and, and um, really help people so that, you know, their family members didn't have to deal with, you know, some of the things that he was dealing with. And, and not only that, so people can get the resources that they need because, you know, sometimes people like, people are just sometimes scared to go get help. You know what I'm saying? And it may not take much. It may not be much that they need, you know what I'm saying, to, to operate at a high level. But, you know, like you said, um, like you said, Devin, the stigma sometimes is so high. Like certain people feel like they can't talk about these issues or certain people feel like they can't take that first step of going to get help or, or maybe going to get the medicine. Like there's so many different treatments that's out here nowadays. I mean, you talk about, you know, the typical the typical medicine. You talk about therapy. I mean, they got psychedelics that's out now. They got, you know, new versions of shock therapy. There's so many different things that can um, that can help you. And, and not only when you just talk about those treatments, you talk about, like, the self-care. You know what I'm saying? I do a lot of yoga. That's something that I use to, um, you know, to help me with my mental health. You know, you can look at journaling. You can look at group therapy. Um, and me being able to share some of the things that I do, you know, in my own, in my own life and shows how it works, that's, that's what playing this game is all about, just being able to help people and create change. And, um, you know, I'm just blessed to be able to um, leverage my platform on the field with, with being able to talk about and advocate for mental health. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, Doug, thank you. That was that was that's what it's really all about, because um, honestly, we talk to people all the time and we say, like, if you're really not trying to transform the community, um, what are you doing? I mean, especially well, I, I mean, I, I say as a minority um, you know, you should have a deeper sense uh, of community and really trying to um, bring some opportunity just because, you know, even if you didn't grow up poor, you know where your people come from and how um, people are being affected by systemic issues, whether it be education, racism or whatever the case may be. So we appreciate what you're doing. And we are going to get into Dream the Impossible. We got well, our third segment's going to be all about um, your organization. So we're going to uh, save some of the events and stuff into the third segment. But what we're going to do now, uh, Doug and listeners, we're going to take our first break. And when we come back, we want to kind of get into a little bit of current events, really about what it looks like to address mental health today. So listeners stick with us. We'll be right back. We absolutely appreciate your support. You are the foundation and our efforts work to better your communities. Tell your family and friends so we can all work to bring progress. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Black Agenda Pod. That's at Black Agenda Pod. 
let's get back to the show. All right, welcome back, listeners. So we are continuing our conversation uh, with Mr. Doug Middleton. Yeah, he is the founder of Dream the Impossible, which is a, a mental health awareness organization that is based in North Carolina. So, uh, Doug, you know, in the first in our first segment, we really talked about just the kind of the stigma of of mental health and and how that you know what it was like playing in the NFL, and then what you're getting out of your your advocacy here, but. In this segment, we kind of wanted to kind of bring it more forward. You mentioned, you know, Simone Biles more recently, Naomi Osaka, Shakari Richardson, LaMarcus Aldridge, um, you know, even Kevin Love in the NBA has been an outspoken advocate and and Brandon Marshall. And so it does seem like in today's world, you know, mental health is now finally being seen as being just as important as an athlete's physical health. And so, you know, you were kind of talking about the criticism that Simone Biles got you know, for withdrawing from the Olympics because she mentally wasn't, you know, ready to perform and could be a risk of injury because of that. And so people still, there's that, that attitude is still there where we don't really believe that mental health is an issue, not quite how we see a physical injury, but nonetheless, things are definitely different. You're seeing this kind of, you know, the cloak of what we think of NFL players and others being like these gladiate, these immortal gladiators who can't, you know, who can beat everything, who can do things that regular people can't do. Now we're starting to figure out, oh, wait, no, they're human too, just like we are. They have issues. They struggle with anxiety and and depression and things like that. And so just kind of give us, you know, your take as far as like how this movement has progressed from your time in the NFL and college even. And now talk about some of the differences and are you surprised at just how fast things have really have really changed when you come to talk about mental health and sports. The beginning of like mental health and sports. I don't know if y'all ever seen uh, the movie Friday Night Lights. Um, it's a football movie, but um, they talk about this player called Booby Mouse, and um, like the um, you know one of the boosters for the school is sitting you know at a dinner with uh, a lot of the boosters and the coaches there, and then Booby Mouse is there, and. Like, they're talking about, like, Booby Mouse plays running back. And, you know, they're talking about how they need some help on defense. And the lady goes on to say to the head coach, like, you know, why don't you put Booby Mouse on defense? Like, even though he's already starting on running back, like, why don't you put Booby Mouse on defense? Like, then she says, like, that N-word ain't going to break. Like, pretty much, like, you can put him at every position on the field. Like, he'd be just fine. Well, that's how I was kind of, like, under the, you know, what mental health kind of was showed to me um, when I first not only got into the league, but when I first got into college, it's like, you're an athlete, you ain't going to break, like, you, you should be all right, you know what I'm saying? Like, whatever you go through, just push through it. You know, we was always taught that way, like, you know, whether it was in the weight room, whether it was on the field, whether it was, you know, preparing for a fourth quarter or whatever situation it was, it's like, you know, you're unbreakable. Like, you're, you know, you're, you're like you said, this gladiator. Well, now when you transition to what the current uh, situation and the revolution, I call it revolution when it comes to, uh, you know, mental health and sports, especially with African-American athletes, it's like, well, yes, we will break. Like we are, like we, we have pain just like everybody else. Like we feel, you know, we have, you know, we go through depression, we go through anxiety, we go through all those things just like everybody else does. And I think it's different um, because the public is starting to see that. <clears throat> these are issues we've been dealing with, you know, for the longest time, but 
you know, we just had to um, to really just suppress these issues because we felt like at the end of the day, our mental health had to be compromised, you know, for the betterment of not only the sport, but, you know, to win. And um, now we're starting to see that people aren't going to sacrifice that anymore. Like our people, our athletes aren't going to sacrifice um, their mental health just to have another gold medal, um, just to get, you know, another Wimbledon cha- championship. Like stuff like that doesn't really, um, you know, they're not going to let mental health define their legacy. Um, and that's one thing, like you saw Simone Biles come out and say is like, she really didn't know that like she was kind of more than an athlete. Like one of the quotes she said, she talked about how like, people just, you know, gravitated and, and gave it, commended her for the person she is outside the gymnastics. And she never really saw herself outside of her sport. And, and I think that's more the revolution is us athletes understanding that like we're more than just an athlete. We're more than just, a, you know, shooting a basketball. We're more than just playing football on the field. We're more than all that. And, and at the end of the day, we're human beings, we're fathers, we're sons, you know, we're community people like, that's how we have to learn how to define ourselves. And when we learn how to define ourselves that way, that's when you're going to see more people start to um, get the resources that they need and, and put their mental health as a priority. Absolutely. You know, it's a, it's a complex subject. I mean, it's, you know, when I think about, you know, athletes, you know, we, we, especially, I guess, you know, we in the black community expect so much of you, um, you know, we expect for you to, you know, go and bring home the title, represent us and, um, that's, that's just more than what we should be putting on your shoulders. Cause obviously that's not what, you know, you're not letting down the entire race when you don't go to the Olympics <laughs> right. because you're taking care of your own mental health. Um, and, and unfortunately, you know, like you said, you know, we, the leagues progress, you know, we as a society have started to progress. And, you know, I, uh, we noticed that there, you know, uh, was some PSA messages during the NFL draft about mental health. Um, and it seems like it's just like I said, really just showing that there's a big pivot to where people are saying, let's stop and, you know, not consider, you know, making ticket sales and things like that and actually consider the people who are playing and making us money. So one of the things I wanted to kind of dig off into, because I noticed that whenever the NFL is talking about what they do for players uh, for mental health, it kind of varies, you know, team to team. Um, so, Doug, I didn't know. I don't know if you could kind of, you know, speak broadly yeah. to what yeah. the NFL is actually doing. But what sort of uh, mental health services does the NFL have for players? Um, and I also kind of want to say, you know, when looking at fans, you know, what should we be doing to kind of help you all whenever we're uh, looking at helping you with your mental health journeys? Yeah. So when it comes to NFL and mental health, um, and they just uh, agreed upon um, the NFL and NFLPA. Um, and it's like pretty much like a mental health plan, but it's all these resources that they have available. But just really acknowledging that, you know, there is some issues when it comes to pain tolerance, when it comes to medicine, when it comes to mental health, like acknowledging that and then, you know, really, you know, making a point forward of how they're going to solve some of these issues. So um, they have a committee that's, that's you know, supposed to be representing um, the players and helping making some of these decisions to protect us. But um when you go to, into actual things that, that they have for us, uh, they've hired the seventh uh, full-team clinician uh, when it comes to mental health, and seven current NFL teams have them. Hopefully, we can have all 32 in the next few years. Um, the next thing that they've done, like most most teams usually have a full-time person or have a person that they can go talk to or speak to, but having somebody that's full-time you know, in the building every single day is something that they're you know slowly moving towards. Um, 
Each athlete gets eight uh, therapy sessions per year um, that's paid for by the NFL. Um, that's one thing. If they want to use any calm, uh, calm or any of these uh, mental health uh, meditation apps that's paid for, that's taken care of. Uh, so those are just some of the things that's out there. Um, and then as far as like, you know, there's always like when I when I talk about mental health, I always say that like it's more than just therapy and, and, and medicine. Like there's a lot of there's a ton of self-care things that you can do um, to take care you know, of your mental health. You can look at massages. You can look at like yoga, like I talked about. Um, there's a lot of different things that 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 may help. And you just really got to figure out you got to try a lot of different things and figure out, you know, what what works best for you. You know what I'm saying? That's why I always tell guys like. If I'm using therapy and I'm, you know, also taking medicine, that's my my formula isn't going to be the same for you two. You know what I'm saying? It may, you know, take something different to help you two feel more optimal and feel, you know, uh, more mentally healthy than it does, you know, for me. So you really just got to find whatever works for you and kind of put that into practice. And then um, as far as what fans can do, um, you know, I would just say, like, fans just need to be, like, you know, more supportive. Like these are some, you know, athletes that you love to watch. And obviously, you know, they take their job just as serious as everybody else takes their job. You know what I'm saying? We, I mean, we live and breathe this stuff every day. You know, I can't make a decision in my life without having to think about, you know, what football, you know, what, what consequences may come from it with football. For example, like, you know, I just got married, you know, my honeymoon, I got to think about how much I'm drinking because I can't, you know, I can't be just putting a ton of stuff in my body. I got to be thinking about, when, what time I'm eating and stuff like that. Like, I got it all at what time I'm working out. I has to be focused around my honeymoon. Like, all this, we, we focus everything we do, um, you know, around this sport. And, like, I think it would be nice if, if, like, the fans could, like, support some of these athletes that put so much into this sport to perform for the fans. I mean, that's that's what they all do it for. And if they could be a little bit gracious when some of these athletes do have um, – you know, some mental health issues going on because it's, I mean, it's real. Like we just like everybody else and certain things get to different people. Some people are born with different chemical imbalances. There's a lot of different things that go on when you talk about mental health. So I just think grace is, is, is the word I always try to use and understanding that, you know, everybody has different things that's going on. And, um, you know, we just got to be able to be in a place where we can understand that we're all human. We all hurt. And, um, you know, we all just need to take this, the necessary steps we need to do to get help and, and figure out how we can, you know, be the most optimal self. No, I mean, that's that's the message, you know, that we're trying to push, you know, with this particular episode. And, and that's something that's this revolution, you call it, you know, with mental health awareness, that's something that's being pushed finally, you know, to where we understand that athletes don't, you know, Athletes and, and and entertainers too don't exist purely for our enjoyment. You know they are yeah. people outside of it, and for so long, kind of what you were saying with the, the the Friday Night Lights story, that is the attitude, not just from say coaches to owners to GMs, but fans everybody. too. Yeah, everybody yeah. feels that way. They'll never break. You can put yeah. a man. He can play every position on the field. Whatever, he got it. You know, and and when you show any sort of what they call quote unquote weakness. And then that's where the criticism comes in. You know, yeah. Paul George was struggling with some mental health issues last year because they were in the bubble. I don't think people realize how hard it is what the NBA did last year, having all their teams in one place 
all the players were there, but they had no family members. It was only the team coaches, referees. That was it. Yeah. And one yeah. place for, I don't know. I don't know exactly. I think it was a few months. Right. You had no outside contact. I don't think that you don't know how isolating that really is. And it's only you, you have a bad game. You, you know, we have so much access to y'all now as athletes because of Twitter and Facebook and Instagram that the criticism is nonstop. It's 24 seven. Stop. <laughs> when you even look at like Ben Simmons, like how people like, Oh my gosh. Pretty yeah. much tore him up and like, it was bad. Like, like this is a guy that has a lot of talent you know and I'm saying, obviously he got something mentally going on. I don't understand how everybody else can't see it. Like, obviously it's not his just physical ability. Not obviously physical. it's something mentally that's going on with him and he needs to figure it out. You know what I'm saying? And like, yeah, it may not be in the best, you know, the best platform to, to play in the playoffs, you know, that bad. And, and he should get criticized as such. But like that thing, I mean, it was going to a whole new extreme besides just criticizing somebody for their play. You know what I'm saying? It was, it was being taken too far. And, um, you know, I think, even with like people having so much access to like you know to these players, it, it feels like it feels like they can just say whatever they want or do whatever they yeah. want to them, and that's and, and that's and it's like sometimes it feels like you just like you know a, like like a animal at a zoo or something like that. Like I seen a video the other day, and it's like some person just ran up on LeBron James, like he's just like. I like, saw that too. That and he like, him. It, yeah, and he put like, "What do you think this is? Like, you can't just run up on people and like, you know, disrespect their privacy like that." Like, yeah, like yes, we we are performers. You're exactly right. Yes, we we love this game and 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 we make a money amount of money that we're we should you know have a lot of access and be able to you know do whatever we need to do. But at the same time, there are certain moments where people deserve their privacy and. What I seen like on that video where somebody just running up on him like that, that's 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 absolutely <laughs> crazy. Like, you know, so um And there are people defending, you know, the person who did it. Yeah, defending saying, like you shouldn't have pushed them or something. Yeah, like, come on, guys. And that's and that's ex- and then that's what I'm talking about. That's my exact point. That's where we are, like when it comes to like sports and like athletes and like mental health, it's like people feel like they should be able to say whatever they want, do whatever they want, and like athletes should just be like, All right, that's cool, like you know what I'm saying? Take it. And like they had tweets on like some of the craziest stuff. And it's like, as soon as you respond back and say something negative or foul to them, it's like, oh, you being weak or like, yeah, like you can't take that. Like, you know, such and such like that. But like nobody is saying that. Like, if somebody said that to you in like real life, like you wouldn't feel good about that. You know what I'm saying? So I don't know. It's it's a lot, you know, this game and, and sports is a lot more different than it was in the past, you know, because of social media and because of the things that like, you know, the, because of the access that fans have and being able to, you know, reach an athlete just like that, just saying one little word and, like, next thing you know, like, that's actually getting back to the athlete compared to times in the past where there wasn't social media and fans could say all different types of things and it wasn't like the athlete directly heard that. And you're starting to see that play a part in some of these athletes' performances when they don't know how to, you know, take a break from social media. Like, it starts to get to their head and, and create performance anxiety or create, different things that's going on like so I don't know it's it's a very complex issue and um you know I just challenge people to really um you know watch what they say watch how they say it but not only that I challenge athletes to really learn how to protect their own mental health 
Absolutely, absolutely. And one of the things that we were going to get into in our third segment is your organization, Dream the Impossible. We really want to start to talk about um, what you have done uh, to really embody you know, mental health and have some action in the organization and the community. So listeners, we're going to take another break. So stick with us. We'll be right back. Would you like to contribute to our scholarship fund? Would you like to help us partner with nonprofits? Would you like to submit a topic request or maybe even appear on our show? If so, go to patron.podbean.com forward slash black agenda pod. Thank you for your donation and belief in our mission. Let's get back to the show. All right, listeners, let's get back into it here. Our third segment. Remember, we're joined today by Doug Middleton. He's the founder of Dream the Impossible, which is going to be our third uh, segment uh, all about Doug's organization. Um, Doug, of course, we know based off of the background and for our listeners, we want to make sure that they know um, you started this organization in memory and in honor, really, of your best friend, AJ. And you mentioned him uh, uh, committing suicide and how you wanted to really start an organization dream the impossible to really uh, impact the African-American community about this issue of mental health. Um, the foundation addresses, and this is for listeners, addresses the top risk factors that contribute to mental health by providing support for communities and youth development through speaking engagements and community action. The organization has channeled its focus into mentoring and developing student athletes through its newly launched Dreamers program. So y'all got a lot, a lot of things going on. Um, so first off, uh, Doug, thank you for starting this organization and, and, and the memories of your friend there. And also just for really empowering our community, because as we've talked about this being such a taboo topic, it's really going to help generations to come. Um, whenever you come into an area, Doug, uh, DTI, what, what do y'all uh, kind of do to kind of start getting the young and the old kind of to be engaged into addressing mental health? So for me, like, I always try to focus on mental health when it comes to to young kids anywhere from like um, eight all the way up to 18. And, and then not only that, then I address it differently when it comes to student athletes and college students. Um, so, you know, for us, um, just as far as the resources that we provide for our community, mainly in, in Winston-Salem is, is the mentorship. You know, we're all about these kids and, and making sure that they have the resources that they need um, to really live out their dream. Like the first part about it is finding what do you want to be in life? finding out like what your dream is and finding out what you need to do to accomplish it. And, um, you know, based on the events that we do, a lot of these kids, um, you know, they are so talented and they have so many dreams, but some, so many of it is limited because not only do they feel like they don't see it enough, they don't see people succeeding outside of sports, music and, um, you know, drug dealing and different things like that. Like we have to give our kids more access and, and, and exposed to, to more career paths that's, out, you know, other than these normal three. You know, I do a lot of events where I come in and I say, hey, what do you want to do when you grow up? And a lot of them say, I want to play sports. I want to do this. I want to do that. Well, that's not the only way to make money. That's not the only way to provide for your family. And that's not the only way to get out. But nowadays we're starting to see, like, it really transforming from the work that we started to the work that's, that's, that's being done now is a lot of kids do have access and are starting to see a lot of these career paths. I go in this, a lot of them say they want to be creators. They want to be, you know, they want to work in tech. You know, a lot of the guy, a lot of the students that uh, we awarded scholarships to um, with our scholarship program that we did uh, this past month is, uh, you know, occupational therapists, 
technology engineers like these are these are kids these are african-american kids these are students that that dreams live way past sports and and even though their sports career has stopped or may continue to you know or may continue they have other dreams outside of you know the court and the field so um us like what we try to do is is really come in and 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 learn about these students and we try to figure out what we need to do to not only help them um be more mentally healthy but also um in a position with that you know they can help their dream come true and that's where um the title dreaming impossible came in from because you know me making it to the nfl seemed like something that was impossible uh from for a kid that was from winston-salem um a kid that went to appalachian state who which is not a big you know, SEC or ACC school and, and a kid, you know, who's still making his dream come true, you know, still to this day. And, um, you know, that's why I tell the kids is like whatever uh, dreams and goals you have, nothing is impossible. You know, it's, it's it, anything is possible with, you know, with God and hard work. And, and, and that's what I tell the kids. And, and we kind of go from there. Um, you know, we've done a ton of mental health events where we bring in um, advocates, we bring in therapists and they kind of speak to the kids about, you know, some of the things that they do in their regular life and how can they change some of the habits that they have and, and you know, put that into practice themselves and become more mentally healthy and more mentally strong. Um, and just to give you, like, one of our last events we just did um, during the month of June, um, you know, we did You're Not Alone 707. Um, that was the first 707 that we did. Uh, we paired up with uh, Northern Guilford High School and Glen High School, two high schools in our community um, that lost, you know, one student athlete each on the football team uh, to suicide. And, um, you know, that was that was very major um, during COVID in the past year to have, you know, for two teams in one community to 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 lose kids. And, um, you know, we felt like something had to be done. And uh, we brought uh, one of my friends, Rashawn Miller. He's a therapist. And he's also a two-sport athlete, uh, former two-sport athlete at Carolina. And uh, he came and spoke to the kids. I spoke to the kids about mental health. Uh, we had um, I think we had Atrium Health come and speak to the kids also, um, one of the big hospitals in the, in the community. And then not only that, the parents spoke to the kids about, you know, losing, you know, losing a loved one and having to bury one of their kids um, based on some of the things that they were facing. And, um, you know, that whole entire event was nothing about, you know, football. Even though we had 707s and we had some games, that wasn't what that event about was about. It was about being able to bring light to mental health and being able to hopefully um, save another kid's life. And, um, you know, we felt like we, we did that. We felt like we educated the kids on mental health. And and, and that's that's all we're trying to do is, is you know, potentially save another kid that that may um you know that may not have wanted to speak out before they encounter one of our events no i mean that's that's great work much much needed work um you know in the community and and you know just i know you kind of touched on it a little bit you know you hosted the seven on seven um camp and so just kind of talk to us about what you what is the focus of dreaming dream the impossible when it comes to working with athletes and student athletes rather? Um, and yeah. so what, what, what's the focus of your work there? And then also to just, you know, going from 2021 and beyond, what are kind of, what are the major goals, you know, of you and, and dream, the, the dream, the impossible, what are you trying to get accomplished, you know, in the next two, 10 years? Yeah. So our whole goal, like what we do, like, 
we don't really particularly do anything in-house. Our main goal is connect the students and student athletes to resources. That's that. I mean, that's just, I'm like, if I could define our entire foundation is connecting them to resources. So like, say for example, we may have a kid, you know, is dealing with depression and they reach out to us. Well, how can we find, you know, some therapists in your area or at your school that can help you, you know, whether it's an African-American therapist that you may not have access to, whether it's, you know, a male therapist, whether it's somebody that can help you in your development. For example, then, then we have students that, um, you know, may be in a spot where they may not have the resources to help them on a college decision. You know, they're trying to decide between different schools. They're not really sure, um, you know, which school to really look at. We help them with that. Um, you know, a lot of the things we do is, is like I said, connecting these kids to resources and helping them um, have the things that they need to succeed. So when it comes to the scholarship, when it comes to connecting them with therapists, when it comes to the mentorship or the public speaking, like all of that is about bringing awareness to mental health and helping them find the resources that they need. Um, so, you know, what I would say our goal is, like we're launching the Dreamers program. That's our big focus right now is this Dreamers program. And that's really what it is, is a huge mentorship program when it comes to student athletes. That's that's our number one focus in that area is, is being able to take maybe 15 to 20 students in year one um, and helping them, you know, find out what their dreams are and not only be able to play, you know, athletics at the college level, but be able to graduate college and, and have a degree and be able to get a career and, and start a career. So, um, being able to have these students see the process all the way through because there was, you know, when I was growing up, there were a lot of students that had more talent than me. There were a lot of people on the football field that probably shouldn't have made it to the NFL over me, but like there's certain things that go into being, um, you know, a student athlete. There's a lot of things that go into being an NFL player. And some of those things included decision-making, you know, discipline, you know, saying hard work. And it's not to say that these student athletes didn't have that in the high school level. It's just they may not have had the support system that 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 they needed. People taking them, you know, back and forth to practice, back and forth to camps. People, you know, letting them know that they got people that believe in them, that, that, that you know, will help them, you know, accomplish their goals. And, and that's something that I had. And so with this Dreamers program, I want these students to know, you know, know how to build their brand. I want these students to know how to, you know, reach out to colleges, how to, you know, where how to go on a college tour, even though they never seen the college campus. Like those are some of the things that we want to do with these student athletes. And then in turn that'll motivate them, you know, to really find out what their dreams are and, and pursue them and and know and pursue them with confidence, knowing that, hey, like I can do this. Like, hey, I can play for you know, football at this level. Hey, I can graduate and go get a job and provide for my family. So, um you know, like I said, you know, back back to Dreaming Impossible, just to break that down one more time, is breaking down the stigma when it comes to mental health in the African-American community. And that's through connecting, you know, student athletes, students and, and people in general with resources that they need, whether it's therapy, whether it's, you know, people in the community, whatever it is they need, you know, just being able to, to um, align them with that. And then when it comes to student athletes, it's the Dreamers program and, and, and helping these student athletes find out their dreams and and really, um, you know, getting the resources that they need to accomplish those dreams. Awesome. Thank you for spelling that out, Doug. I'm, you know, I, 
I, I, I, after Devin's worked with me through, you know, doing this podcast, he would probably call me a socialist. So sometimes when we talk to, you know, celebrity people, you know, we have some, you know, I have thoughts, but it's good to see that you are actually in that different class of celebrity people who are, um, not just using your, your, your fame and your status to benefit you and your family, but really about having a legacy. Cause it's not, you know, your money is, that's great and all, but really having a legacy that's going to be able to transform, you know, the community and society as a whole, really. Um, I, I think to me that speaks more than any, you know, dollar amount, um, you know, truly. So we thank you for doing that. And what we're going to do, uh, uh, Doug, we're just going to take our last break uh, to give our listeners just a quick little uh, break and some music. And when we come back, we just want to get your final messages. Like Devin said, it's our great way to wrap this episode in a bow and send it off to our listeners. So uh, stick with us. We're going to take our last break with Doug. So we'll be right back. Thank you for listening to the Black Agenda podcast. We appreciate your support and we ask that you like, share, and follow us on social media. You can find us on Facebook, IG, and Twitter at Black Agenda Pod. That's at Black Agenda Pod. Let's get back to the show. All right, welcome back, listeners. So we are kind of wrapping up our conversation here with uh, Doug Middleton. He is the founder of Dream the Impossible, and it's really been a great conversation uh, Doug, we've talked about, you know, your career, some of the things that you've seen regarding mental health and some areas where society needs to improve. And we've also talked about the current climate, which is finally improving to where there is some space, at least, you know, for athletes to talk openly about being or, or needing some, you know, some sort of mental health support. And so um, for our final question for you, this is, you know, our way of giving you the platform to to really leave us with a really good, solid message here regarding, you know, mental health and athletes. And so, um, you know, the overall idea of this is that, you know, athletes are people too. And so they've had bad days. You know, you all have feelings, families, anxiety, you feel uncertain, just like regular people do. And so, you know, our country looks at athletes as almost like superheroes or gladiators, like we said in the beginning, who are capable of doing things that, you know, just us regular people just can't do. And so with that perspective, sports stars have been allowed to entertain us for decades, but it seems like only now in 2021, fans have had to reckon with the idea that you all athletes are actually people who have thoughts and opinions that sometimes don't align with, you know, the majority of the country. And so they have, you know, you all have opinions and just like, you know, we, we were talking about earlier with fans who are, who believe that they can have access to you all the time and they can say and do things just because they buy a ticket, you know, just because you buy a ticket and you watch an athlete or you buy a jersey or a t-shirt does not give you ownership, you know, of that person. They don't exist purely for your entertainment. You all are real people. And so, uh, you know, our final message here is just leave us with a message, you know, leave us and our listeners with the message about why it's finally time, really past time, for society to shift its mindset regarding athletes and it's and make space, you know, for sports stars to be human and finally vulnerable to be able to admit that you are people at the end of the day. Well, first of all, I want to say that you said that, you know, perfectly as far as, you know, summing up our conversation. But um, the first thing I want to leave people with is the fact that your mental health is just as important as your physical health. 
Um, and that, you know, for a lot of, you know, your favorite athletes or favorite players to operate at a high level, they have to operate as knowing such and, and believing in such and, and, you know, really obtaining the resources that they need to have their mental health in a good state. And, you know, when it comes down to seeing uh, some of your favorite athletes perform and, and, and you know, seeing the, the crazy dunks or seeing the crazy touchdown catches or seeing the Olympic record-breaking times, like, there's a lot that goes into preparation, you know, to prepare for those moments day in and day out. And, um, you know, of course, there's a lot of hard work that goes on in the weight room, a lot of hard work that goes on in the track and the field. But there's a lot of things that go on mentally, um, you know, for the athlete to prepare for that moment. And being able to understand that sometimes, you know, um, you know, just like when you, your car has to go to a shop and, and, and the dash has, you know, you know, technology issues or when your car has to go in and get an oil change, like those are certain things that happen to athletes too, mentally. And, you know, we don't know when those things can happen. You know, we don't, we can't control when those things happen. And at the end of the day, in order for us to give you the best product on the field or on the court or whatever, you know, we have to take care of those things when they do happen. And, you know, I just want to leave people with saying that, like, you know, just keep supporting us and know that, like, you know, the athletes that you love and enjoy completely do everything that they can each and every day to to be the best versions of themselves and to be the best athletes they can be. And, you know, at times there are literally things that you can't control, you know, when it comes to your mental health, you know, sometimes just like, on, you know, people that are non-athletes, you know, the weather may affect, you know, a person's mental health. Like, you know, I know a lot of people that get more depressed when it rains, like, I know a lot of people that, you know, when they don't go to the gym or they don't work out, they feel a lot more depressed than they usually do. You know, when they don't take their medicine, they feel like they feel different, you know. And, you know, there are certain athletes that, that may have those same type issues. So um, just know that at the end of the day that, like, you know, this, you know, we are human too. And uh, we're doing everything that we can to to be the best versions of, of ourselves. And, and we expect everybody else to do the same. and, and just to, you know, to insert some grace in there. And, um, you know, you could check us out at dreamingimpossible.org and uh, learn more about the foundation and really just, um, you know, like I talked about on the show, really find out what resources that are available um, out there, not only for, for students and athletes, but, you know, for people in general. No, I mean, that's, that's a great message. And, you know, I thank you. We thank you, you know, for for doing what you're doing. You know, you're, you made it to a level that not a lot, not a lot of people make it to playing in the NFL and you at least have the wherewithal to say, you know what, I need to do something to give back. Um, I know you're doing it in the memory of your friend, but it would have been easy to, to just, you know, continue the course focused on your career and, and not, you know, maybe say maybe later on I'll do something, but the fact that you're doing it now, building your organization connecting people with resources. We need more of that, you know, in the community. We need more of that for sure. And so I thank you just for giving us your time and, um, you know, doing what you're doing, bringing attention and awareness to a topic that doesn't, at least uh, up until recently, hadn't got a lot of attention. And so it's an important topic. And so I appreciate you just bringing us your platform and giving us your your experiences. So thank you for sure. Thank you. We can't hear you, Adrian. (laughs) Yeah. <laughs>
<laughs> my, my bad. I got this mic and I forgot I was. Muted. But I just wanted to say thanks, Doug, for everything you do. Because, like I said, I'm. Um, I, I I think that you know we've got a lot of resources in our society, uh, and it's like what you said. It's about connecting those resources to people who need the most. Um, and you being in your position to do that, um, you like Devin said, you could have done a thousand other things and not even focused on this right now, made all your money and did all your stuff. But you're really saying it's more about the community. And then I can also take care of myself. Uh, it doesn't have to be an either or it can be a both. We actually did an episode on that. It doesn't have to be, you know, you taking care of yourself and ignoring the people around you. So we thank you for doing that. Um, and what we're going to do, um, I know we talked a little bit about some um, other questions, uh, a few, couple of the episodes uh, in some sports topics. So uh, we wanted to kind of ask you, I've, you know, been in the NFL, uh, you know, just, uh, you know, get your, your opinion on a couple of things. And I'll, I'll ask the yeah. first one. Devin can ask the other one. Um, Devin and I, we, you know, we were both supporting college athletes in the band. We both were tuba players. So, uh, we, we kind of, we kind of, uh, we wish, we wish we could get some of this money that college athletes yeah. are starting to get. But, uh, we know, you know, everybody knows now that, you know, NCAA rules have changed where college athletes can start getting paid for, you know, you know, getting, you know, being able to use their name and their image. And rightfully so, because obviously when we think back to Mississippi State, they're bringing in, you know, the, you know, football program, baseball, bringing a lot of money for the university. So, Doug, we just wanted to ask you, you know, just give us some some general thoughts on what you think about, you know, college athletes being paid and also kind of thinking forward, maybe give some tips to these uh, college players as they're you know starting to get some of these large financial uh, resources. So um, when I did my master's, uh, when I completed my master's, my capstone paper was on athletes getting paid and what mm -hmm. athletes, um, you know, the value that they bring to universities. And I've actually like, I'm, I'm going to probably explore like, you know, later on after my career is done, um, you know, a career in athletic administration. Um, and that's because like a lot of these students, they do bring a lot, a ton of value to the school. You know, I did a whole study that when a school wins, you know, wins more games, not only does it, you know, raise the GPA of admittance, but, you know, there's a lot of other things that, that go in and contribute to the school's success. And, and it's, you know, yeah, it does depend, you know, the student, um, student population does, uh, take a lot of burden with, you know, some schools having student fees and stuff like that. But, um, a lot of these schools see a ton of benefits from, from these athletes and, and them winning. And, um, you know, what I would say about how, NIL is, is shaped and stuff like I think like a lot of the top athletes will make a lot of money but I think a lot of the athletes at the bottom won't you know and I think you know that may become an issue uh later on because they're going to see a lot of their teammates um you know making a lot of money and you know that may they may not have the same opportunities that that you know some of their other teammates have um they don't have to look at tax issues. That's a whole nother thing that, you know, they really probably didn't even think about when they were wanting to get these checks. Um, they're going to look at, have to look at group licenses agreements and, and, you know, maybe even exploring what it looks like to have a union like this. It's a complex issue. Like the, the you know, when you start talking about being able to really take money, um, you know, and, and really go from being an amateur to being a professional, like it's, it's, it's a lot of things that these athletes are going to have to explore. But I would say the number one thing that they all need to learn right now is how to build a brand because they need to really figure out, like, you know, what are they going to do that's going to define them? Do they want to 
you know, whatever issue, whatever causes that they have, um, they can start to build that brand now and, and start to leverage that platform and hopefully make some money for themselves. And, and, you know, I'm all about, you know, athletes, college athletes, student athletes making money, like anything um, they can do uh, to provide for themselves. Because when I was in school, when I was in college, like my parents used to send me money. I always had a job. Like I worked at the Marriott and I worked at Pizza Hut. And I, like all, I stayed with a job in college. So, you know, I know the burden that, you know, these student athletes have and have not really having free time in the beginning and working. Like, you know, it's a lot, you know, it's a full time job. And on top of that, having another job, you know, so um, that's what I would say about that is is the fact that like it could it could really change the landscape of college athletics. And, um, you know, it could change how these schools fundraise. You know, a lot of, you know, I heard one statement saying that some of these companies, instead of donating it to the school to maybe have benefits of access to some of these student athletes, they just going to pay the athletes. And then if they do that, like how would that change like you know, some of these funds that these schools have to build these, these crazy, um, you know, all these crazy, you know, buildings and stuff like that. And, and like, what, like, how is that going to look, you know, if the, if some of these schools, you know, uh, budgets start to change. And so it's a lot that goes into it. I hope it just all finds its place. And I hope these schools, I think the best thing they can do is provide these students with all the resources, all the information that they need to that way, you know, it doesn't leave them out to dry because it definitely could, you know. And um, and the last point, well, I think the last question y'all asked about was, you know, the Oklahoma, um, you know, Oklahoma and Texas. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so, what do you think of that? You know, yeah. I, Texas I, OU. <laughs> I think that's crazy to be honest. Like they both, like, well, I think it's okay for Oklahoma, but Oklahoma had to have somebody to go with, and you can't go without Texas. I mean, they're, all, right. they're, all, they're the only people that can handle that. Um, Texas has been getting wore out for years. I don't I don't know if they think going into the SEC is going to change that. Um, and, you know, I definitely think if there are any other two schools that fit into the SEC, it would be those two, you know, and, unless you looked at like a Clemson or something like that, um, Clemson, Ohio State, but those two schools aren't going to go. Um, I just think like it's shaping up. I mean, I don't know if y'all see it, but it's shaping up to where the SEC could create its own NCAA. I mean, they could like they could really remove themselves from the NCAA if they wanted to, and really run their own type, you know, program. They already got the SEC channel. You know, what I'm saying, it's, you know, at the end of the day, now these athletes are not getting paid. What is the NCAA's real job? Like, what what do they really do besides making sure, like, you know amateurism and putting that in place but if there's no such thing as that now like what are they really doing you know so um i don't know it's 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 a crazy time you know in college athletics right now like you know and, and i did an internship with the university of virginia this past off season and to be honest they're trying to figure it out just like everybody else is like they're going along with the flow and just trying to learn and, and they don't they have no clue of what nio they had no clue what it would look like up to when it happened and you know, their lawyers are updating on, you know, updating them on all the state policies and all the, you know, NCAA policies. And, and you know, now that it's coming to a place where the Supreme Court had to step in and really, you know, grant a ruling that they can't just, you know, control certain things. And I mean, it's really like putting the NCAA in shambles. And um, I don't know if they're seeing that, but um, I don't. I don't know how long, you know, <laughs> besides putting on good tournaments, I don't know how long the NCAA is going to be there, you know, because 
a lot of these conferences are going to be able to run themselves, you know, and, and, you know, the, the, the bowl games aren't ran through the, you know, NCAA. The only thing that's ran through the NCAA is a lot of these tournaments. And, you know, I, I guess, you know, that's still there. So they, they're still going to have some value, but I don't know. It's, it's, it's building up to be a lot of things changing in, in the college athletics. Yeah. You made some interesting points, especially when the college athletes getting paid. I don't think anybody really even thought about, you know, union or taxation and uh, yeah, you know, that's major. licensing and all that kind of stuff. Cause yeah. I didn't even think about that. Yeah. Like you got to look at like, like making money is all good until you get a bill from uncle Sam. Like that's, that's when, that's, that's when it's, you know, <laughs> that's when you're like, damn, like I thought this money, like, you know, I thought this money was all free and clear. No, it's not like, you know, Uncle Sam is going to be right there and, and, and like, say, for example, these schools don't give the students the resources that they need to make sure that they fill out their taxes right. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. That can, that's a whole nother issue. You know what I'm saying? And, and, and now these students going to leave college with tax liens. You know what I'm saying? It, it, it's going to be, you know, you know, nobody wants to see that, you know? So, uh, I don't know, man, it's, it's, it's <laughs> tough. And, and, and I'm happy that they're getting paid, but, um, you know, I don't know. We'll see. You know, it's 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 a long time coming. You know, it is. for it to finally it happen. But it I is. think, you know, kind of like you're saying, it's like there are some. Un- there's always unintended consequences with anything, right. Right. and what you were talking about is one of them. Uh, the only other question I had was just, you know, with NIL and you know the SEC taking in uh, Oklahoma and Texas, and as of this recording they have accepted they've been invited and they've accepted their invitation right. so they're going right. to join right. supposedly Jane, uh, i think it's july 1 2025 it's probably going to be before that so yeah you're mm-hmm. talking 16 teams in the sec now so as you were saying the ncaa if they're smart enough they see the writing on the wall they know the end the end is near as far as them being the overseer of college athletics um so i, I guess you know the question is like is this Overall, the NIL, the SEC expanding, the college football playoff is now talking about going to 12 teams. Do you think these things are actually good for college football and college athletics overall? Or is it too early to say? <laughs> yeah, I think it's too early to say. Um, like, like I said, well, the first thing I said, I'm all, I'm all in for athletes getting paid. But, you know, a lot of these – a lot of these college athletes are going to miss out on the real goal. And, you know, some of them may have potential to make it to the next level, but will they be so focused on trying to get a check now that they don't really understand like the big check and that's, and that's making it to the next level. Like a lot of distractions, I just see a lot of distractions happening with the way it's shaping up. And, um, you know, I don't know if it's good or bad. Like I, I, it's, you know, that's, that's still to be seen. Um, but, um, I can definitely tell you the NCAA don't have too long. They, I mean, I think they. I mean, yeah, they're on the clock. <laughs> I get them ten to fifteen years max, and and this is. I mean, they were like people are already investigating them, like you know, trying to figure out what they actually do besides amateurism and tournaments. Um, but I don't know. I'm I'm all I'm excited for the athletes, and I hope they figure out everything else that comes with you know getting these checks and and the and and you know standing for these brands and stuff. But um. I don't know. You know, the, the SEC is changing its landscape. You know, the, you know, this is going to have a rip, ripple effect on all other conferences because, of course, the Big Ten or Big Twelve isn't going to be able to, you know, stand alone how it is now. You know, with those two major powerhouses leaving like that. So, 
I don't know. Like that's that's what makes it interesting every day when you turn on ESPN because you never know what you're gonna see. So <laughs> you know, that's no. all I kind of feel <laughs> no. about it. I mean, no, I appreciate that. <laughs> okay, yeah. David. But- no, I mean that's that was pretty much it. I mean that's that's part of why you know I was just interested to see what you thought because college football has gone or college athletics has gone through a huge change yeah. just this yeah. summer this year, and so it's like you know where is it going to be ten fifteen years from now? Like you I don't, don't know. know. And you're then gonna see, you're going to see college players rolling up and and and, and <laughs> I, I I don't know, man. It's it's even changed since I you know since I left like we didn't even have um this whole like the little reimbursement or like it's called um what's it called it's like this little college aid that pretty much they get like so what we used to have is the Pell Grant checks that used to be like a big thing for the yep. student athletes Pell Grant mm-hmm. checks well now they got this whole like tuition and, and room and board check or something like that that covers like the oh yeah cost of tuition checks that's even another check these athletes getting. So that's what they started a couple years back. This started after I was gone. And then now you're talking about NIL. Like now they can get, you know, pay whatever other money. Like <laughs> I don't I don't know where this is going. Like are we just trying to say like, you know, they're professionals. Get, you know, professional, like, are they professionals as soon as they leave high school? Like, I, I don't know what's going on. Like, I mean, if they play their cards right, I mean, four years of college, I mean, they could, they, they, the, the goal might not even be yeah. the pros anymore. That's, that's what I'm saying. I mean, at that point, it might be like, hey, like, let's just go to college and we good. You know what I'm saying? So, I don't know. It, it, that's what it looks like to me. So, I, I, it's a good time to be a college athlete right now. I will say that. Sure. Hey, that's right. I wish I could go back to school and play ball yeah. or something like just that. Do, it, do hey, it all we, over again, some kind of way. Right. Like I got to figure out something I could have done because good gracious, like, you know. That's right. Well, hey, we won't hold you any longer, Doug. Listeners, we're also going to take another break before Devin and I come back with our ending. Uh, this is our first little uh, segment of bonus content uh, with our first NFL player. Um, so Black Agenda Podcast, we got some first today doing it big. So Doug Middleton, we appreciate what you're doing. Again, uh, we can't thank you enough. The community can't thank you enough for the legacy that you've started and what you're going to leave uh, after you've gone and for many generations to come. So, uh, Doug, we just appreciate you for, for what you're doing. All right. Thank you both. Thank you for, you know, the podcast and, and allowing me a platform to just come and speak about mental health and my foundation and uh, pre- appreciate the conversation. All right, all right. Well, listeners, Devin and I, we're going to take our last break, and then we'll be right back. Every time I go to You have been listening to the Black Agenda Podcast, hosted by Adrian Guest and Devin Dito. If you enjoy listening to the show, let the host know by leaving a review on Apple Podcasts or by visiting patron.podbean.com forward slash Black Agenda Pod and give a few dollars. After all, The Black Agenda Podcast is supported by listeners like you. Let's get back to the show. All right, listeners, so welcome back. As always, we like to leave you with a look forward as to what is upcoming on the podcast. So first up, uh, weekly roundup number nine will be coming out on Saturday, August 14th. So make sure you tune in for that. Um, That's our way of making sure that you are up to date on what's happening in the world around you as far as the news. And then our regularly scheduled episode will be coming out on Tuesday, August 17th. And this time we'll be discussing how weed became part of black culture. And so with everything that's happened 
uh, with Shakari Richardson being suspended for smoking weed and not being able to compete in the Olympics, uh, we felt it was time that we actually had a discussion and maybe try to give some history and context to why weed is even illegal in the first place. And so make sure you tune in for that conversation. That's going to be happening on Tuesday, August 17th. And so um, also, again, we say at every single show, we love it. We love it. We love it when you download and listen to the show. But there are some other ways that you can help us out. And uh, Adrian, why don't you let the people know what they can do? Absolutely, Devin. Um, it's important to download and share and like and follow us listeners, but that money is is also equally important, honestly, because um, Devin and I, we don't want to just bring you the news. We don't want to just talk to great guests and have awesome conversations, but we also want to have an organization, have a movement, have things that are actually going to transform the communities. We've learned so many different things from the experts and the leaders that we've talked to over the three seasons that we've been doing this, that we really want to transform this into an actual organization that's going to be able to do something in the communities that we're advocating for. With doing that, we need money. Um, great ideas have to have money to fund those. And the best thing to do is just go to our website, blackagendapod.com. Click on that donate tab. Start by giving a dollar. Escalate it from there. We would love to have you as a monthly patron. We've got a lot of great gifts and incentives for you. So that way, not only do you give to help our mission, but you can give and get something in return. Also, we like to highlight our charity of the month. And for the month of August, we have selected the, the organization Choose 180. Choose 180 transforms the lives of youth and young adults by partnering with institutional leaders, connecting them with community, empowering them with choice, and teaching them the skills necessary to avoid engagement with the criminal legal system. Choose 180 envisions a future where youthful behavior is decriminalized and young people are offered restorative practices in lieu of traditional prosecution. In place of the school-to-prison pipeline, a community will exist to help young people realize their potential and provide them with the tools necessary to achieve their goals. We figured since uh, August is kind of like back-to-school month and this organization is talking about youth and young adults, awesome, awesome opportunity to kind of highlight them. So go to their website, choose180.org. Go to our website, blackagendapod.com, and click that Donate tab and start giving. So, yeah, listeners, make sure you check out Choose 180. It's a really great organization um, that's doing some really great work in our communities. And so uh, before you go, make sure you like, share, and follow us on social media. We would really appreciate it. Um, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. At Black Agenda Pod is our handle. And, again, that's at Black Agenda Pod. And so, again, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, like it, share it. Uh, do whatever. We're just trying to share the show, trying to grow the show and get it in front of as many people as possible. And lastly, we just want to say thank you again to Doug Middleton for giving us his time. Uh, again, Doug is currently playing for the Carolina Panthers as a safety, and he is also the founder of Dream the Impossible, another organization you should absolutely check out uh, if you have a few minutes. And so uh, we appreciate you listening and staying with us, and we'll catch you next time. Thank you.